Um, the worship was good. I hope you listened to the words. Okay? What happens sometimes is we just, we just start singing and we daydream while we're singing, even though we're, you know, we don't necessarily listen to what the words are. So this morning I want to talk about worship. And my, I'm not really doing a sermon this morning. It's probably a little bit more teaching than it is preaching, uh, giving you some background of worship and why we worship and what those things are. Um, I think most believers don't fully understand everything about what worship is. And I think it's really easy for us, even as believers, to be deceived when it comes to worship. And we can easily be deceived by the enemy because the enemy is out there always trying to get us off of thinking about God and thinking about other things. And so sometimes what we think about as worship is we call the worship service, right? And we call the 20 minutes, 30 minutes of music that we just did as worship. But is that actually all of what worship is, right? There's a lot more to it. So I'm going to give you a couple definitions that I looked up. One of them was from the Oxford Dictionary. So this is just a dictionary like the Webster Dictionary. I prefer the Oxford one. But the Oxford Dictionary gives us this definition. So for the noun, it says the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. doesn't necessarily say our God, but a deity, somebody that we look as uh, spiritual and as like a God. The verb is to show reverence and adoration for a deity, honor with religious traditions, religious rituals, religious rites, and things like that. So that's really like the secular view of what worship is. Now, in that definition, it didn't say anything about music, did it? Okay, it didn't say anything specific of what that was. It was just our focus is on that deity. So I was looking for a biblical definition of worship. And there really isn't one verse in the Bible that just says worship is this, okay? There's a lot of references to worship in the Bible, but looking through a bunch of commentaries and different theologians and so on like that, I came across probably the best biblical definition of worship based on a whole bunch of verses put together, if you look at all of Scripture, this is how you could define it. It's the giving of our entire self, our thoughts, and our emotions to God's use. All of life is an act of submission, an act of worship. Our service to God is not centered on a time or a temple, but is done whenever and wherever we are, because we are the temple of the Lord." A couple of verses, Romans 12.1, John 1.24, there's a whole bunch of ones in John that would, would back that up as well. But I think that's a really good definition of what worship is. Part of that is all of life is an act of submission, an act of worship. So just think about that submission. So even though the Bible doesn't give us a specific definition for worship, you know, like one verse which there's a lot of things I wish God did just put one verse so it was black and white and real easy, but he doesn't always do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we can know what various words of worship mean. So I'm going to go back into the English a little bit and give us sort of the roots of what, where we get the word worship from. The English word worship comes from two old English words. The first one is we are th which is W-E-O-R-T-H, okay? Which now we have dropped the E and we translate that as worth, which means worth. And then the other part is Skype, which is S-C-I-P-E, which is translated in modern terms as ship, okay? Which means something like a shape or quality. So we can see the old English word ship in modern words like friendship, sportsmanship, you know, those are two. And what it's saying is the worth of a friendship or the quality of that friendship. So when we say Greg's not just a friend, we have a friendship. There's worth in that when we say that. The same thing as a sportsmanship, that there is worth in that or they are a good sport. They have high quality 
when we say sportsmanship. So worship and the quality of having worth or being worthy, when we worship, we are saying that God has worth. Okay? So that he is worthy. Worship means to declare worth or to attribute worth to something. Worship means that we also declare worth or we put in biblical terms, we praise God with everything we have because he is worthy. Right? We talk about that when we sing, that he has worth or we, he has value. I'm going to give you a couple verses from Matthew where Jesus was talking with his disciples and was trying to give an illustration of what the value of a relationship with God is or a value of the relationship of the kingdom of God. So this is from Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. And he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, Jesus there is saying, understand the relationship with God of who God is or the kingdom of God, what it's like. For us, we would connect it to a pearl of great value or a treasure that has great value. Think of all the gold in the world that was buried in that field. And if you knew it, you'd go and sell whatever you had to make sure that you could buy that field, right? Because the value of what that field is. So when it comes to worship, we should be thinking the same thing. We worship God because he is worthy to be worshiped, right? Not just because we come and enjoy the music, and it's great music, by the way, or that we come and enjoy the seats and the chairs and stuff like that. But if none of this was here and we couldn't gather together like this, the question is, would we still worship? Would we still worship God? If all of the things that you had disappeared, would you still worship God? You could read the book of Job, okay, where Job lost everything, and then he had what he said friends. I wouldn't call them friends, but they were saying to say, you know, well, you must have done something wrong, everything else, and he was that. but I'm still going to worship God, even when all of that stuff disappeared. So, our purpose as we worship, if we look at um, 1 Peter 2.9, Jesus was saying this. Um, you are, Peter wrote, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Okay, what he's saying is you should declare who God is, the worthiness of God to the world, because that's part of what your worship is. You see, the central part of a Christian's calling is to declare God is worthy, that he is worth more than everything else put together. So the question that we have for each of us is, does my life reflect that? Or do I put worth in other things? Or am I worshiping other things? Okay? Just because you come to church on a Sunday and act Christian and everything else doesn't mean that you're worshiping God. For this moment, you may be worshiping God, but also for this moment, you may be daydreaming and everything else. Some of you are already thinking about what you're having for lunch today. Right? But are we focused on our worship with him? So in the Bible, there's two major kinds of words for worship. The first means to bow down or to kneel or to put one's face down. And often say you'll say that they lay prostrate on the ground with their face down before God as an act of respect or submission. That's one way. That's one word. Um, our body language is saying that we worship him because of who he is. So in that act of submission is that worship. In other words, I will do whatever you want me to do. I'm ready to listen to your instructions and I'm willing to obey you. That's that act of submission because of who he is, not because of what I want. Okay? Sometimes you, some of you have kids like that, right? They'll act submissive 
because they're manipulating you to get something they want. It's very self-centered, okay? But not respecting you simply because of who you are, okay? We see that in human relationship. Well, we do that with God as well. Now, the other kind, that's, that's the part where it means to bow down in worship. The other kind of bi biblical word means to serve. Roughly half of the time these words are translated as worship, and then the other half they're translated as serve. In the serve one, it carries the idea of doing something for God, making a sacrifice or carrying out his instructions, being obedient to what he's commanded us to do. So word, word meanings don't always prove what worship is, but what they do do is they do illustrate the different kinds of worship that we have. The first is worship that involves speaking, okay? This is where you're using words to worship God. What we just spent time singing, that was worshiping God by us speaking, okay? Using our words, whether we put them in song or we just simply say them. If I share my testimony with somebody, I'm using words to worship God because I'm praising God to somebody else saying he is worthy to be worshiped. So I'm going to share you how he has affected my life using my words. The second worship that involves is listening. This is one of the ones that I think we're not very good at. Okay. A lot of times, even in prayer, okay, where we say, I'm going to worship God in prayer, we sit down and we read out our list of what we need God to do. Okay. And then we get up and go about life. We never take the time to actually listen to him. The third one is worship that involves doing. This is that service part. I was serving with eight days of hope yesterday, <clears throat> not because I love eight days of hope. This morning when I woke up before I took my ibuprofen, okay, I was like, okay, that was hard. But I did that knowing the next day I would feel what I was going to feel because God's worthy to be served not because eight days of hope is an awesome ministry. I was there because God is the one that's worthy to be served, okay? He is the one that, that belongs or deserves my worship. So there's a worship that expresses <clears throat> the heart and a worship that involves the mind and a worship that involves the body. And I'm going to explain this a little bit for you. There's a worship that is giving praise upward what we just did with our, our worship songs, and a worship that is receiving instructions from above, that's when we read God's word or we're in prayer and we're quiet and we're hearing for him to do that, and a worship that carries out instructions in the world around us. We need, as believers, all three of those parts of worship in our life, okay? Not just coming and singing a few songs or spending a few minutes where we're just open up the word of God and we check off our to-do list that I spent time with God. So, some people focus primarily on the speaking or the singing part to praise God. And praise is good. But if all we do is praise God without ever listening to what he says, we've, <clears throat> we have to ask whether we believe the words we're saying. Okay? If, if he is really all-wise and all-loving, then we need to be attentive to what he is telling us because he's worth listening to. In other words, very simple. If I sit and spend time with God, okay, and I come in here and sing songs and praise and everything else, but when I walk out these doors, I am not changed and my life doesn't change or do anything different because of that. What I'm saying is even though I'm singing that and in my mind I believe it, but my actions reveal whether I truly believe it or not. Henry Blackaby used to talk about in his uh, Experiencing God, what you do next reveals what you really believe. And so just the fact that we say certain things doesn't mean a whole lot. But if we say something and then go and do it based on what we say and what God said to us, we're revealing to the world, I believe that. So if God says, I'm supposed to go across the street and share my faith with my neighbor, and I know God's speaking to me to do that, and I don't do it, I don't really believe God is worthy for me to go across the street and do that. Are you connecting the dots? 
okay? So, so often what we do is we say a lot. We even wear Christian t-shirts and everything else. We'll even put a fish and a cross and all the other stuff on our car and so on. But as we're driving that car, we're cursing out the, the guy that just cut us off, right? So you're saying what you believe, okay, what you're saying is isn't really true because it's not being lived out in our life. So worship is every single part of our life. So when it comes down to the worth, we have to ask ourselves, is God worthy? And how do we know that God is worthy? How do we know that? One, we need to be in God's word to know what God says about himself, how he reveals himself to us. You see, God initiates worship by revealing himself to us. God would not expect us to worship him if we didn't know him or know anything about him, right? In other words, that's why the world out there is not worshiping God because they don't know God. They don't know who he is. But if we're in here and we're singing these songs and we're worshiping this, we're saying, we know you, God. We may not know all of you. In fact, we'll never know all of God, okay, because he is so, so big and so great and so almighty and all of those things and worthy of all our praise. And his grace is beyond comprehension because every day I know how much of a sinner I am and how much I need his grace. Even though I've walked with him for 37 years, I know I need his grace every single day. But when I know that, and that <clears throat> in 1 John 1, 9, where it says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that's a verse written to believers, which means I know every day I need his forgiveness, I need his grace to cleanse me because no matter how good I try to be, and Paul says this in Romans 7, I struggle I'm still in this fleshly body and I'm still in a world that's filled with sin. And I have an enemy that is constantly tempting me to fall and walk away from God. So I need his forgiveness. I understand his worthiness because he continues to forgive me. And he's faithful to show me and forgive me and direct me and guide and all those things. That's why he's worthy. Because of who he is. So you see, God initiates that by revealing himself to us. Our worship is a response to what God has revealed himself to be, not only in who he is, but also in what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do in the future, the promises that he's given us. So worship also includes all of our responses to God, all of our responses. So the first thing is our mind. Okay, so as we understand everything that God is doing, that's our belief system, our understanding, our mind, then that mind responds back to God in worship because we understand things about him. Because of who he is, I can grasp, okay, he's a, he's a God that created all of this. All right, just think of that for a moment. All right, I can worship that. Why? Because he created me. I don't have to have anything else other than he's created me. He's worthy of praise. If I look at the, the creation around us, and we live on a beautiful planet, okay? He created that. And I just saw NASA and that new telescope they have up there. Mind-boggling to me, okay? Of in one little square, they showed all of these galaxies. I'm like, are you like, just think about that for a minute. And the more that they're learning about the universe the more I get to learn about God because they say the universe is expanding. Well, of course it is. God's a creator. He's continuing to create, right? He didn't do it and then just, oh, that was good, and then admires that. Think about if you're a painter or an artist. You don't do one painting and then stop the rest of your life, right? You can't, you'll doodle on a piece. Of, you'll do something. Why? Because you're a creator. God is doing that. God is revealing himself to us all the time. God is speaking to us all the time. We aren't listening very much, but God is always speaking to us. So our heart, our heart then expresses. This is our emotions. This is where we get um, worship songs from, right? From our heart. And, and even when you come in here and you sing certain songs and you connect with them, uh, one of my favorite ones is the goodness of God. I can't, I, 
I can't keep my eyes dry during that song. I will always get a tear from my I, It's just, it's one overwhelmed by who God is. So our heart, our bodies, and our strength, these are when we understand, okay, our mind grasps everything of who God is, our heart is moved, and then our bodies react to it. In other words, we go to serve. We, we will walk to some place, we will we'll help, we'll serve, we'll use our hands, whatever it is, but all of that is in worship. It's not out of obligation because I'm afraid that God's going to strike me down if I don't, right? But it's because of who you are. I want to do that. And as I go and I'm obedient to what you've called me to do, I get the privilege of being bragging on God. I get to share with people who this God is, and you got to know him because he's awesome, right? He's the God of the universe. He's the God that is faithful. He's the God that is trustworthy. And he's the God that continues to pursue me. Even if I wander, he doesn't give up. That's the God I worship. And I want you to know that God. That's why I go and tell people. And God gives me opportunities and assignments to go and do just that. But I have to be listening to him. So, both the Old and the New Testament tell us that our relationship with God involves our heart, mind, soul, and strength. In other words, every part of us involves in that relationship with God. Jesus speaks to it in Luke 10, 27. He said, so he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. He was actually quoting from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, 5, and Leviticus 19, 18. So it involves all that we are. Worship involves our heart, mind, soul, strength. The fact that we just believe God says something about his worthiness. That's true. Just the fact that we say we believe it. But the fact that we go and then trust him and move forward and seek him and love him, that also declares that he's worthy of love and trust. The fact that we obey him also says that he is worthy. So when he calls me and asks me to do something, okay, and I do it, I'm saying, God, I understand and I believe that you are worthy by my actions of what I'm doing. I'm worshiping him in what I'm doing. So if I go, the Lord says to love my wife. As I love my wife, I'm worshiping God because I'm being obedient to him. I'm not loving my wife because I have to, but because I love God, I love my wife, and I try my best to love my wife like God loves my wife, right? I try to imitate God in what he's doing. So our words complete the picture by saying that God has worth. In the words we say to one another, in the prayers we say to God, in the songs we sing, we can declare that God is worth more than all other gods, worth more than all other things in this world as well. We can worship God by all ourselves. But, and we can worship God alone also. I don't need you guys to worship God, okay? I can do it all alone, wherever I am, okay? In any place. But God says also, we should gather together because... God's already speaking to you guys too. And I want to hear what he's saying to you guys. So corporately as a church, he's speaking to each one of you individually, but he's also speaking to you as I hope, the community of I hope. And he's also calling you guys together to say something specific on an assignment of what he wants you guys to do, which also declares his worth to a community that's lost right? When you guys did vacation Bible school, God spoke, and there was probably a meeting, and all of you said, yeah, I believe God's calling us to do this, okay? So as you move forward to do that, you're declaring his worth of everything who he is to a community that's lost, that doesn't know God yet. And so even as you bring kids in, you tell the kids about it, but the parents start to wonder, what is this God all about? And God starts to work in their hearts, and he starts to seek them and, and pursue them. And before you know it, you have 
the whole family that has now heard about God and is learning about God. Now, they may not believe it, that God is worthy, but what people will do is watch you to see, does their life reflect that God is worthy, or are they just saying it to me? Right? We do that all the time in life with people. We look at them, but then we watch to see. So the easiest way that we do that now is Facebook and reviews. Okay? Go on Amazon, right? What do we do? We go on Amazon. Somebody said, oh, this is an amazing product. You got to buy it. So we'll go on and we'll look at it. Yeah, that's sort of nice. And then we read the reviews. And whatever the reviews say, determine whether it's worth buying or not, right? Okay? Our reviews as believers are out there all the time. People are watching us to see, does he, what he is doing in life, truly have the worth of what he's saying God is all about? It happens all the time, okay? But so often we separate that worship for us as believers is this hour, hour and a half that we go to church. That's our worship. And then out there, we're quiet. We don't say anything. We don't proclaim it to anybody, and we don't necessarily live as God has commanded us to do. We don't imitate God, we imitate the world. So the world looks at us and says, they don't believe it. Oh yeah, I can go in, they were singing, raising their hands and doing all those things. But yeah, have you seen them at work? It doesn't look anything like that, right? Our life, all of our life has to show the worth that we have in God. So we are to come together in community because it's important that we understand what God is saying to all of us as a community. That's why it's important to belong to a church community. And there are times where God will move us from different communities because he wants to use our gifts and skills in different ways. That happens. But if God has placed you here, okay, in this church, this is an expression of your worship as you serve together as a church, not just in church, but beyond the church as well. And being communicating with those that you work with, those that you go to school with and so on, proclaiming that God is good and God is worthy to be worshiped. Okay? And we can say that in our own experience with them, but we can also say, look at the Bible. There's nothing in the Bible that contradicts who God says he is. In fact, he's proven over and over again in the word of God that he is who he says he is. Now, the world has to deal with what that is. They have to say, do I believe it or don't believe it? But we have that opportunity to proclaim and share the world with Christ or with Christ with the world. So there's a lot of different ways that we worship, okay? We've learned that in our life through our mind, heart, body, soul, all of our strength and so on. But a lot of us focus our worship mostly on the music. And we say, we call it worship music, right? We call the band up here or the leader, the worship leader. But in reality, he's really just a song leader, right? If we want to say that. Now, those songs should bring us into a heart of worship to be prepared, our heart, mind, and soul away from the distraction of the world so that we can hear from him. We can actually hear God do that. That is important. But again, if this music was not here, would you still keep coming to church if we couldn't do that? If you couldn't meet in this nice, beautiful, air-conditioned sanctuary, would you still go to church? We have people in countries, one in the Dominican Republic, they will meet underneath a mango tree for church. And many of them walk many miles to get there. There's no air conditioning. There's not even music. It's just they open up the word of God. They pray and they seek, God, what, do you, what would you have for us? But in the Western church, we've gotten really comfortable, right? Right now you're thinking about the chairs you're sitting in. Like, oh, these are nice. And it's hot today. You know how hot it would be in here if you didn't have the air on? I'd be sweating, I'd tell you that, Right? But would you still come? Or would you wake up in the morning, oh, it's going to be so hot in church today. Let's skip it. Let's go, let's go down to the canal and get a drink. You know? That's our human nature. It's so easy for us to think about other things rather than to worship God. 
It's easy for us to do that. So the question is, is our life aligned with God and our worship true worship? Or do we just say we worship in word, but it's not part of our whole life? Does my life and my actions, all of who I am, reflect my relationship with God? I used to say, um, you know, if, if we lived in a country where if it, you, being a Christian, it was illegal, and they came and arrested you because somebody said that you're a Christian, you're a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there be enough in your life for them to have witnesses to say, you know, yep, they pray in the morning, they share Christ with their neighbors, they serve people, all of those things, or would they say, ah, we just couldn't find enough? So yeah, they carry a Bible, but that's, that's about all we could find. Would there be enough evidence to convict you? I'm going to open up to um, Malachi. So if you have your Bibles, and then I'm going to finish with this, Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament. If you're Italian, it's Malachi. But Malachi, um, and this is the book written by the prophet Malachi to the nation of Israel. And this is where Israel had become very much like, I would say, the Western church. They'd gotten very comfortable in their religious expression and all of that kind of stuff. And God basically hits them upside the head because they weren't where he wanted them to be. Their worship had become very self-centered about them and not about God. So I'm going to read through it, uh, the first chapter. I'm going to read all the way through it, and then I'm just going to touch on a few things, and then we're going to close. Verse 1, the burden of the word of the Lord to, the, to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Even though Edom has said, we have been impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus said the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Imagine having God say that about you. Yeah, we'll just rebuild it. Oh, yeah? I'm going to knock it down every time you do. In fact, I'm going to go a little bit farther and give you a name called wickedness, okay, because you are so wicked. Now, these, are, these aren't like non-followers of God. These aren't atheists or anything. These are what we would call God's people, okay? Um, verse 5, I shall see and you shall say, the Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. And God says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name? Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? Again, an arrogant statement. You offered, you offered defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. Who is there even among you who would shut the door so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. Now, the Jews and the Gentiles, okay, so this is God just really jabbing them right now. Say, even the Gentiles who don't believe in me, my name will be great amongst them. I mean, he's just at this point just knocking them down. In every place incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it, in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled, and its fruit, its, its, fruit, its food is contemptible. You also say, oh, what a weariness, and you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. 
and you bring the stolen, the lame, the sick, thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. So if we read that and try to put yourself in there and list out some of those things that God calls them out on, he's calling us out on as well. So God says to us, and he says it every day, I love you. He's proven that by Jesus, right? We just All we have to do is look at Jesus and know that God says, I love you. He did all of that for us. We don't have to question that. But we do say, in what ways have you loved us? We are looking in our life, well, I'll do that for God, but I don't know what God's done for me lately. Some of you may have even said that out loud. But we say it sometimes in our heart and our actions, right? I don't feel like going to church today. You know what we're saying? God, what have you done for me? Why should I go? Why should I worship you today? In our actions, we do that. But God is going to show us over and over again of how he's loved us. So look at round, just think about right now in your life, all the different ways that God has shown that he loves you. One, you were able to walk in here today, right? You have a breath today. You're alive today. There are so many things that we can thank God for. But instead, what we usually do is think about all the things we don't have we wish we had something different than what we actually have. How has God blessed you and shown his love through your family? Man, just where you live. You live in the United States, okay? The wealthiest country in the world. Now, you may be one of the poorest in the wealthiest country in the world, but being the poorest, you're still wealthier than a huge majority of the rest of the world, even being the poorest. Think about that. Okay, but yet we always compare rather than thank God for what he has given us. Okay, and God has blessed us in so many, so many ways. Another reason to, to worship him, that our needs are met. So God also will show us, just like he did with the Israelites here, where we have sinned. If we're reading in God's word, he's going to show you. You can't avoid it right? And it doesn't matter where you read. He's going to use his living word to speak to you of where your life is off base. I use it like for a Christian. A lot of times it's like a road and you drive down the road and now they have the rumble steps, strips on the side and you go off course a little bit and boom, 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 you got to get back on course. To me, that's what the word of God is. <laughs> I'm reading it, I'm doing good. And then all of a sudden I get distracted and, and sin a little bit in my life. And all of a sudden it, I get back in the word of God. It's like a rumble step. It just sends me right back to where I need to go. I need to get back in the center where, where God wants me to be, not in the sinful part where I'm living. So we could have a, basically a checklist for us to say, how well am I worshiping God? And then I'm going to close with this. Verse 6 in Malachi, where he's, he's talking about honoring God. You know, you have an earthly father and you honor your earthly father. Well, how do you honor me? Um, Hebrews 12, 9 says, furthermore, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? So here's a couple ways that we show honor. And you can use yourself to check yourself to see, okay, through this, am I truly worshiping God through honoring him? One, our obedience, obeying what Jesus says. I'm going to use a real simple one because everybody should be connected with this, but the example of forgiving. Jesus says to forgive, right? He says to forgive. They challenged him, well, how many times do I have to forgive? He said, basically, just keep forgiving over and over and over again, okay? But how many of you today have unforgiveness in your heart? There's somebody that you know that's hurt you, offended you, and you have not forgiven them yet. Also, he talks about bringing an offering. He says, if you have somebody that you've offended or they've offended you and you haven't tried to reconcile them, leave your gift at the altar and go and make it right with them. 
That's a command, right? So as we are obedient to what, as I forgive somebody that's offended me, I'm worshiping God. I'm honoring him of who he is because I'm saying his words that he's commanded me to do have value in my life. He's worthy of me going, no matter how uncomfortable it is, and seeking forgiveness or giving forgiveness, right? Because of him, not because of me. My flesh and my selfishness says, no, I don't want to forgive him. In fact, I want revenge. I know that's my fleshliness. But when I obey God and I go and forgive or seek forgiveness, I get the blessing that God then pours out on that relationship. I want to forgive because of who God is. Gratefulness, just thanksgiving, right? Are you a grateful person or are you a complainer? Are you grateful for the little things in life? Or are you quick? Do it this way. Are you the half full cup or the half empty cup, right? And there's some personality types, they're always half empty, okay? You got to fight that. I understand that. But God wants you to have a grateful heart. Be grateful for what you have in life. Have an attitude of gratefulness. Spending time with him. So this is a part where we get to talk with God. God wants to talk with us, okay? But what happens, we can't be the ones that are always talking. We can't just enter into his presence with our list of, okay, God, I need these things, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. But he's not a genie in a bottle. He's a loving father that wants a two-way relationship communication with you. As you talk, then listen. And that listening sometimes is reading God's word. Sometimes it's just being quiet, right? There's a verse in the Bible that says, be still and know that he is God. It's hard for us to be still in our world. Think about, try, try some time to just turn off the music, turn off the TV, and just sit in quiet and say, God, speak to me. You will be shocked at what he'll say. Because why? His Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. So his Holy Spirit's going to talk to you. I don't always like doing that because I know he's going to say something. And usually he'll bring a person to mind that I've said something I shouldn't have said to that person. And I have to call that person. God will speak to you. It's spending time with him, being quiet with him. The other thing, as I mentioned earlier, that pure desire to serve him. Not serving out of obligation. Not serving out of, I'm going to get credit points, brownie points from God so that I get something else, but simply because of who he is, I want to go and serve others. That's it, because of who he is. Not because of who I'm serving, because sometimes God will have me serve people I don't like. I love them, because God says love them, but I don't always like them. But I still go, why? Because of who God is. I don't base serving somebody on who that person is. I don't do that. I want to serve because of who God is. That's why we go and serve. So a pure desire to serve him. The other thing is trying to be like him, imitate him. When I was uh, raising my kids, my son was the firstborn. I think he was about three years old. I'm mowing lawn with a push mower, and he had gotten a mower, a little Fisher-Price bubble mower. You know, you push it and the bubbles come out of it. And so I go out to mow lawn, and the next thing I knew, he's walking behind me doing exactly what I was doing. He would turn around, he'd turn around, everything. Just, he was mimicking me to a T. What a beautiful picture of how we should be with God. What is God doing? What, what did Jesus do? We get to see what he did and how he interacted with it. We should imitate that, of our, imitate our heavenly father. Also in, in Malachi, he talks about respecting God. How do we respect God? This we can do with our person, okay, of who we are. One of the things, and I'm glad no one has a hat on in here, but you walk into a building, especially in a church, take your hat off. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a person that it's one of that respect of, okay, whenever we pray, you take your, oh, we got another one here. Not to call you guys out, but it's one of the things. Some people say that's old-fashioned, but with humans, typically, especially in our culture, it's a, it's a sign of respect. When we go to pray, we take a hat off, right? I'll give you another thing of, of how we dress. And I, I'm totally against dress codes and all that kind of... I'm not a legalist. Trust me. But I'll give you an example. Jesse Poley, some of you know Jesse Poley. He's a missionary with me. 
Uh, this was about, I want to say about probably eight, nine years ago, on one of our medical trips, one of our surgeons um, was a doctor down at Buffalo General, and after the trip, he wanted to do a, a medical missions presentation to all his peers. So all the other surgeons, doctors, everything. So at 6.30 in the morning, we had to be down Buffalo General and in this display room where they have the projector and all the other stuff. And there's all these doctors, probably about 45 people there. And um, <clears throat> we're getting ready. And Jesse, I, I knew who I was going to be with. So I wore something similar to this. I didn't have a tie. It was a button-down shirt. But I, I looked respectable. Jesse comes in, and if you know Jesse, you're all, Greg's laughing. Ripped jeans, I mean like really ripped jeans, flip-flops, okay, and also, also he had a shirt on, and I can't remember, it wasn't, I mean he's a Christian guy, so it wasn't offensive, but it was something that was just inappropriate on his shirt uh, for, for that setting. And he comes in, and, and he also is early morning, he's not a morning person, so he's yawning, his hair's a mess, everything else. And a doctor in a suit comes up to him and says, young man, you are showing disrespect to every doctor in here and everybody that works at this hospital by the way that you're dressed. Next time, don't ever show up like this. And I would ask that you would sit in the back corner. Now, you might say, was that doctor out of line? Maybe. He did it with respect, did it quietly, didn't call him out in front of everybody else. But he says, how you represented yourself, you did not represent yourself in the right setting. So as believers, our dress is important, okay? For women, it should be modest, right? We shouldn't look necessarily like the world. I'm not going to the, you know, the Christian clothing store, you know, because there isn't one. But how we present ourselves should look a little bit different than what the world is, okay? So we can do that. That's showing God respect. Um, how we talk about God in public. Do we use his name in vain? Or do we talk about God? Or do we offer opportunities, and not every place is the right place, but where we can offer to say, hey, do you mind if I pray over our meal? Right? Very rare will anybody say no. But, or, you know, if you're in a restaurant and you pray, or do you not when you're in a restaurant, but you will at home when no one sees you, okay? Those are things that are all things that are showing God respect, that I'm showing the world that you are worthy for me to bow my head in public and give you praise for the food, right? That's part of it, how we show respect. Sometimes we talk about, Aaron in Malachi also, he said about despising God. How do we despise God? Okay, one of it is you gather together in this church, be prepared. Be prepared to worship. Okay, I always say it pre prayed rather than prepared. Pre prayed. Are we coming in here with the expectation that I'm going to be a blessing to others, but also that God, you're going to speak to me? You're going to actually, through whether it's the music or your word or something, you're going to speak to me and you're going to speak to the others that are in there as well. When we do have the, the, the music, are you daydreaming or are you singing? Are you listening to the words? Now, some of you may not have a good voice, but the music's in here loud enough. No one's going to hear you except yourself. I can't sing. I love to sing, though. I can't sing. You don't want to hear me sing. I love when the music's louder. But I still come in. Why? Because I'm giving my praise to God. If I'm quiet and I'm worried about what others think, it's a form of despising God. We have to be careful how we do that. So we also despise him with our offerings. And I'm not talking just financial part, but where he talks about bringing an offering. He gives the example of bringing your sick, your lame, everything. God commanded in the Old Testament for them to bring the, the best ram that you have, the male, the best one, the one that would be the highest priced if you were to sell it. Bring that one to the altar. Instead, they bring their... You know, the one that's sick may die anyways, hurt, blemished, anything like that. So we have to look at us. Is that what we do? Do we give God our best or do we give him our leftovers? One, in our tithes and offerings, financial part, but also in our time. 
Do we look at our calendar and say, we fill it up with everything else, and then the last thing we do, oh yeah, I might be able to help out at VBS. I'm not sure. Or do we go through and fill out our calendar? What are the things that God has called me to do and how I'm gifted? And I fill in the calendar first with those things and then say no to some of the other things of the world. These are all things that we can look at ourselves. How do I worship God? Is there ways? It's not just on a Sunday morning. It is our whole life, every single part of us. So worship is way more than just the 20, 30 minutes of song on a Sunday morning. God demands our all. He demands our whole life. Every part of it should worship him. I think if the church started to do that, the world would take notice. They would. They would say, oh yeah, those are those people. They speak with integrity. They have character. They love their God. Why? Because they, they're loving everybody else. They, nobody's asked them to do these, but they're, they're serving other people. And I think if we do that, the world around us will be a different place. Definitely a different place. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for each person that's here today. I thank you, Lord, for the attention that they've given to me, the respect that they've shown me, and how they've honored me with, with just their presence here. Lord, I thank you for that. But Lord, I would reflect all of that to you. Lord, I pray that today as they walk out of here, they think about, and you just bug them all week about yourself and what worship means. That they would look at you in a different way and think of you in a different way. And when they're having conversations and when they're with their family, how does our life show that we worship you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And through that, Lord, that you would receive glory. For you are worthy. You are faithful. We thank you and love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.